And we started with the heart. And understanding that when we first put those words up there, you could see kind of the look in the eyes. You know, you know, when I put it out there, love my city, it was kind of, it was a catalyst. In other words, it did something inside the heart to so many different people. Some people I, I could see that kind of jumped on that and said, yes, I got it. And others, it's like, you know what? I'm not even sure I like my city, much less like it. I mean, love it. So I understand that. I get that. And I've shared with you my, my experience as far as traveling all over the place and seeing that that's a very common occurrence. And it doesn't matter whether you live in a paradise or whether you live in, in, in a, a place that's struggling. It doesn't really matter. It's all a matter of, of, of your perspective, especially as a believer, and seeing the potential of things. And so today we're going to go a little deeper. And, and so we're getting, we're kind of turning the corner. Next week we're going to finish up and really, really take this thing home. But we're talking about how we as a church... And us individually, you know, so I'm not speaking on behalf of all the churches in our community, but for our church, what our vision is, is to love our city. And we understand that in Jeremiah 29, that was read to us, that it's to our advantage to love our city. It's not just being an obedient Christian, which of course we should be. Jesus told us to love. And, uh, but we find out in scripture that it's to our advantage to love our community because that's what God tells his people to do. Go and prosper. Bless your community, because in the end, that blesses you back. Now, we're going to see this principle in a whole different level today, because we're going to talk about our speech. We're going to talk about why it's so important to love our city, but we need to discuss how do we love our city, and there's two ways that we do that. We love our city in word and in deed. Okay, with our speech, we love our city because you can't, you know, my, life, my wife doesn't know I love her until I tell her, I love you, right? And then I got to also do what? I got to show her my love. So in our city, it's, it works the same way. We got to not only speak over our city that we love it, but we got to show our city that we love it. And of course, what is the city other than people? And so we're learning about that. We're, we know that the love of God is something that we can have inside us. And, and, and to love our city and to love it well, it's not going to generally be, if at all going to be, the only love, the love that we conjure, okay? Because it's tough sometimes to love that which is unlovable. It's tough to sometimes love in a condition or in a situation where it's not loving us back. And so where does that love come from? Sounds like, a, like a, uh, uh, a real groovy song. But where does the love come from? Isn't that earth, wind, and fire? Anyway, I just, had a, I just had a moment. All right. So, you know, where does the love come from? It comes from God. Romans chapter 5, verse 5. Romans 5, verse 5. What does it say? It says, the love of God is shut, ab shut abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Where does it come from? It comes from God. But we have to position ourselves to get it. We've got to put ourselves in the place where we say, Lord, fill me with your love. And for what purpose? To love what God has called us to love. So two things, two ways, love, word, and deed. Now, Jesus said we can do that. He talked about, he, he, he capitalized on, he talked about, he said, we have to have salty speech. He said, we're called to be salt and light. Salty speech, salty actions. So words that matter, words that have weight, Words that are full with faith and love and actions that match those. So Jesus was saying, look, you know, if salt doesn't, it's not salty anymore, what's it good for? Okay, just to be thrown out. And he said, you know, so he really kind of threw the theme out there because he was really challenging the Pharisees who were all, not, all talk, no do. Their hearts weren't right. 
And so Jesus was, was, was attacking that. But yet what we find in the church, as it began to camp on Jesus' words, they were applying it to their lives through the local church and in the communities that they lived in all throughout the Mediterranean nations that were coming to Christ. All those churches, they were having to learn how to love their city. And so those words that Jesus spoke began to come back to them in a good way. Because it's, it's mirror image when we talk about our, our language. We're going to see this here in the book of Proverbs here in just a moment. And that is, and I'm, I'm going to talk about what I've talked about a couple of weeks ago. And that is, we learn from Proverbs, it says that the wise woman, of course it uses woman, but let's just say the wise person. The wise person builds their house, but the foolish one tears it down. Now, it goes on to say with their own hands. But, you know, if you really think about that a little bit more, especially in context of all what the rest of the book of Proverbs really teaches, you know that it's not really the foolish one tearing it down with their hands. It's with their mouth. That is the most destructive, absolutely the most destructive thing that can come out of a human being. And you perhaps you don't believe me, but I hope to convince you today that not only biblically, but, you know, socially, that this is absolutely true. So let's talk about our words today. The truth is this, folks. Our words are amazing. God gave us a mouth. And now we, let, let's see why the mouth is so just theologically or, or, or holistically when we think of the whole Bible. Let's go right back there to Genesis chapter 1. And it's, it's called the principle of first mention when you study the Bible. And we start in Scripture with this one amazing truth that God says, let there be light. He creates something out of nothing, doesn't he? Hebrew ex nihilo, it means something out of nothing. And how did, so what did God create with? His mouth. He spoke it into existence. Let there be light. Boom, there was light. Then he, he spoke these things in his words. Now, we are his children. We are created in his likeness, right? In his image. And so it absolutely makes sense that as we as human beings would also inherit that capacity, that ability, that, that, that something that is unique to God's creation, us as his, his children. And that would be the power of speech. It's both creative power and it's destructive power. Let's look what Hebrews, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter 18 says about that. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. Remember that. And those who love it will eat its fruit in both ways. So those who love death will, so let me put this together. For those who love death will use their tongue to bring death. Those who love life will use their tongue to bring life. And this is interesting because we can definitely see this, you know, in, in our culture today. Oh my gosh. We can see it in our relationships. We see this happening. And so here in the book of Proverbs, it says, almost, but in a positive light, it's saying, look, if we understand this, we will enjoy its fruit. So as Christians, if we understand the power of our language, our, our tongue, and what it does to people, what it does to places, what it does to purposes, what our, our mouth it is, is an amazing tool, weapon, if we'll embrace that, 
if we'll understand it. And that's what Proverbs is saying here. He says, the mouth has a, the, the ability to fill a person's stomach. And so we're really looking at the tongue doing practical things as well as spiritual things. Now, today I'm going to talk a little more on the practical side and, and some of the spiritual, but next week we're going to really get into and finish this whole thing up with the spiritual aspect of how we can love our city. But today, you know, so how do, it says it'll fill our stomach. Well, that makes sense. You know, you go to work, and if you've got positive speech, you get your evaluation at the end of the year, and they tell you, you know what, you were really, you, you not only worked hard, but you were good. You got along with people, and I appreciated, you know, your yes, sir, and no, sir. And, you know, I learned that as a teenager when I got my first jobs, you know, that, that if I wanted to win my boss's heart, if I wanted to get favor from him, because I knew that that day was coming, I was going to a day off, and I wanted to have a respectful attitude that I would use my tongue to do that. And so, it, it, and so indirectly, or if not directly, it would fill my stomach, you know what I mean? It, 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 we absolutely see that, that a person that is a gossiping, complaining, using their tongue to tear down and hurt and injure people, that it's going to strip us of opportunity to be blessed. So it's, it's a practical thing, but it's a nuance of that which is even more powerful, and that is in the spirit. The tongue has a power of life and death, and those who understand it will enjoy its fruit. So if we look at it positively, then if I speak things that are good and positive, yes, it's going to uplift, but a whole lot more, folks, than you ever could ever imagine. Ever imagine. So do we realize the power of our words? How many of us remember the words that were spoken of over us, good or bad, when we were children? We were imprinted by these words. You know, your name, I'm going to stay a lot of time on this, but you know, your name is, is to, the, to the early uh, biblical, I mean, to the, the ancients, a name was important. Why? Because every time you spoke that name, you spoke its meaning over your child. And if it had a good meaning, then you're speaking blessing. I'm, you know, not bragging or anything, but I got a name named, my name is David, which is mean beloved of God. I like that name. Every time you say my name, you're telling me my purpose. You're speaking that over me. So that's kind of got some power to it. And so, you know, speaking, do we understand the power of our words in that sense? It's, it's, it's really important that we understand that. So, when, so anyway, what I was saying is when we go back to our childhood, we can start thinking about when words spoken in anger or, I mean, how many of you remember some of the things your parents spoke over you? Man, I remember Good and bad. I remember those positive encouragements. I remember coaches, what they said to me. It's amazing. I was just doing a search on one of my old coaches recently, and he passed away a couple of years ago, and it was, and it was amazing. I, I can remember I was sitting there and him speaking those things over my life. I remember teachers. You know, Some of the ones that I remember the most are the, the, the disappointment of a teacher. I remember one time I was cheating on a test, and she caught me. And she pulled me aside afterward, and she said, David, I'm very disappointed in you. She goes, you've got so much potential, it's sad that you're wasting it. I never forgot those words. I remember them to this day. I was only 15 years old when she spoke that. You remember those words too, don't you? We all do. Good, bad, or indifferent, words are powerful things. They go into the inmost part of a human being, into our psyche, and we'll see that here in just a bit. But I want to look at James chapter 3. James gets it. Now, he's going he's gonna to get, 
he's going to get into our stuff here a little bit. So I'm going to let James do it. So I'm going to read the whole chapter, and we'll take a little time to comment on it. You, but you know the chapter. But let's look at it again in the light of words and in the light of loving our city and in the light of experiencing the kind of power, life-changing power, we, need, we really need to look at our language. We need to look at our tongues. We don't need to go any further because if we're going to love our city, if we're going to experience any kind of blessing of God, it, we've got to start with the basics. We've got to start with our language. James 3, verse 3. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can guide the whole animal. Consider the ships as well. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot is inclined. In the same way, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it boasts of great things. Consider how small a spark sets a great, great forest ablaze. The tongue also is a fire, a world of wickedness among the parts of the body. It pollutes the whole person, and it sets the course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Whew. Wow, James. Bring in the smoke. But it's absolutely true. He's given us several analogies here to help us understand, just to get it, to understand that the tongue has an incredible amount of power in directing the course of our life. Just like that rudder, how our speech is going is how general our life will follow. And, and we know that when we think about positive speech, when we think about negative speech. I think we all know that when, if you've been involved in sports, if you've been involved in a company that, that, that's got you know, shooting for goals and things. And when you, when you want, want to see positive things happen, things happen in your organization or in your own life, you, you, you want to speak positive things. I mean, we know this instinctively. But what James is saying is that for a Christian, we've got to talk about wokeness, right? I mean, being alert, awakened to, to a truth that goes way beyond just positive and negative speech. No, 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 no. If there's, if there's negative things going on and we're opening our mouth and letting that through, that it is, it's a fire. And it's set on fire by Satan himself. And so we're not just talking about idle words here. We're talking about words that are going to be picked up in the spirit, either by Satan and the demons who are waiting for us to be used so they can jump on board with that and say, oh, great, man, you're making my job easier today. You're cursing, you're speaking this, I'm on it. Thank you. Or we can be on the other side speaking life. Remember, those who understand it enjoy its fruit. So we can be speaking life Speaking truth and love, we can, we can be declaring, we can be praising, we can calling down the angels of heaven who are also awaiting Christians to declare and bring forth the praises of God that we might see some amazing things happen. Now, I'm preaching next week's sermon, so I got to get off of that. Let's keep going. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and, are being, and have been tamed by men, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree grow olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. 
Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good conduct, by his deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and jealous, uh, I'm sorry, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast in it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Say, so Pastor Dave, you're talking about demons and all that. I'm sorry, but it's right here. I'm telling you what the Bible says. I mean, I'm telling you what James, who was commenting on a very real societal church life issue. Verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every evil practice. Woo, looking at our news headlines. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above is first of all pure, then peaceable, gentle, accommodating, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. See, that's the mark of a, a fresh water, a fresh spring, a tongue that is influenced by something deeper. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap the fruit of righteousness. Notice that James comes, James comes right back to, he kind of doesn't touch on it till the very, very end. And that is that proverb. He said, look, if you sow in peace, if your tongue is given to that which is peaceful and full of good fruit, then you yourselves will bear it. You will enjoy its fruit. It will bless you. Absolutely. We know 2,000 years later, roughly, that words, you know, we've got psychology, we've got sociology, we've got a study of human behavior, so much so now you can get degrees, doctorates, and all that. And we've studied it to, you know, all get out. And so we understand some things. And one of the things that I learned as a father, and maybe it was James Dobson or Gary Smalley, some of the guys that influenced my life as, an, as a young father. And of course, I saw in my own life and, and determined, you know, in my pre-Christ Christian days that I was never going to do that as far as speaking things over my children. And so I learned. And one of the things I learned was this 10 to 1 ratio. And that is that it takes 10 words of affirmation to fix the damage of one negative demeaning word. So that tells me two things. One, one, that I really should be speaking a lot more affirmation and praise, right? Should be lifting up. Paul says it like this. If you've got nothing good to say, if it's not building up, if it's not edifying, shh, don't say anything at all. But we go back to, you know, just the, the understanding. What, as a father, what I learned was, yeah, I gotta, I gotta, that's the first thing is I need to be speaking affirmation as much as possible because I know every once in a while, I'm going to say something out of anger. Every once in a while, I'm going to be so tempted to say something. But you ask the Holy Spirit to help you. But every, time, every once in a while, it slips out. And what do we understand about that is, wow, the tongue and what it can do. And being very, very careful and very, very um, uh, aware. And that's, that's what I've learned as a father, to be very, very aware of what the damage might. I'm, I'm not just another guy. I'm a guy that they look to, they understand to. There's a spiritual connection. My words bring tons more weight to their lives than anybody else. What I say to them are words of life. Man, I remember, you remember. Believe me, I've spent hours in counseling helping people dislodge what those words were spoken over their children to break it, bust it out, bring it back into the light and see its healing. The strategy is clear, my friends. We use our tongue to build up. 
if we understand its fruit, if we understand the power of the tongue, well, you don't want to just go to a mountain and never say anything again. That would be the wrong direction. Because you, you could hear a message like this, well, I'm not going to speak ever again, Pastor David. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Use your tongue for what is good to build up and see the, the exponential power that blessing produces when we speak this over people's lives, when we speak words of affirmation, when we pray for people. Once again, we'll get into that next week. But just the whole idea, the, 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 what you need to get today is that the, word, the tongue is a very powerful thing. And we can see it from a negative point of view, as James has shared with us, but, but, but that's not the goal. We need, to see, we need to see the darkness of it because we know it exists. We got hate book out there. You know what I'm talking about? We got Facebook out there, and, we, and, and, and it's funny because we just think it's now the tongue, but man, that tongue has gotten into our fingers. And so we've got all this different stuff, and it, you don't have to speak the word anymore and, let it, and, and, and for those words to have as much damage. It's almost like the enemy figured out how to use us in an even more cutting, damaging, powerful way. Because now you can speak a word and hit and run. I can't pull you aside and say, would you say? Would you say unto me? I mean, you're going to get all 200 whatever pounds of me in your stuff. You keep saying that to me. Oh, but you get on Facebook. Man, you can hammer somebody. You can tear them apart. You can shred them. No accountability. Oh, what a fire a little bit of texting can do. It's set on fire by where? Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Folks, we need to wake up to that. Christian? If we're going to ever be a blessing to our city, if we're ever going to see a, shame, a change in our family and our relationships, if we're ever going to bless this city, it's got to start with our tongue and with our fingertips. Got to. So we want to bless. Let's use it to build up rather than to tear down. I remember uh, uh, a couple of sisters here in the church, this name is not coming to my mind right now, but I shared with you, I said, you know, look, if you're going to get on Facebook, what you ought to do is just be sharing scripture, just whatever, you know, put it out there. And man, Leslie, Leslie's the one that took that. And she, man, she just pours out. I mean, I think in the last year, she's put the whole Bible on there. And that's good. Amen. That's absolutely good. Because I get several verses a day as I'm going through that. And, and I was like, oh yeah, that's an excellent verse. Man, I got to remember that one. So, folks, what is our speech telling us? And that's going to kind of impress us a little bit further here. What is our speech telling us? Well, the scripture makes it pretty clear. It says, Matthew, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus jumped into this and he said, look, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. What is going on inside your heart eventually is going to come out of your mouth. Okay, we don't just have a tongue that just goes wild. Well, I, I guess for some it seems that way, but we won't talk about that. But anyway... Usually it's just coming because it's just building up, building up. It comes out. What is, so I'm, I'm, I know I'm talking negatively, but also if a person is just full of life, they're going to speak life, right? And those are the kind of people like hanging around with. They say, hey man, how you doing? And it's just, you, you feel their heart is up. You feel that their heart is filled with the love of God. You feel that they're, they're, they're up, they're, they're encouraged, they're filled with life. It comes out of them, but also the other side, right? And so some of us wonder why people don't want to hang around us. Well, have you listened to yourself lately? Have you read your own texts lately? Have you gone to your Facebook you know, page and gone through and see what you said? You know, early on, I saw it as a pulpit. I went for it, man. I was sitting there doing sermons and cutting into the culture. Oh, 
my gosh, did I unleash something that came up out of the bowels of the depths of the earth. My gosh, so many people jumped on me. People that I didn't even know. I'm like, look, man, you're talking trash on me when I'm eating. No, anyway, I started myself starting to stumble. I said, oh, I'm not doing that anymore. You know what? I reminded, I reminded me of the proverb. And I thought, David, how did you fall for this? Because we all thought it was going to be a perfect bully pulpit, a place to just communicate my ideas. No. Proverbs says, you know, anyone who takes a word, it's like throwing rocks out your window of your car as you go by, and as any passerby. It, 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 people don't like that. People don't like to be swatted upside the head with truth. Unless you look them in the eye and show them that you love them, they don't want to see some post that comes up there and just judges them, tears them down, tells them everything you hold, all your value systems are poop. You know, they're not going to do that. I don't like it. And so not only do they get it all stirred up, but they gather about 100 people with them. And then it gets real ugly. Because the first to present their case is always right. Then you feel bad for the one who I've been a target of that from time to time, who are just sitting there going, man, just give me a chance to give my side of the story. So here we have a whole new marketplace, a whole new societal place where it's become playground for reckless words. We need to think about that. We need to pray about that. Christian, you need to pray about that. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, the fingers type. Romans chapter 12, uh, Paul says, bless and do not curse. He says, in response to what you see going on in culture, he says, bless. And we'll learn next week why blessing is so incredibly important. Just a sneak peek. Here's the deal. The scripture tells us that if we just keep speaking blessings, you say, you mean I'm supposed to bless the ones who are unblessable? I'm supposed to bless the ones that I know hate me and have, have, have taken advantage of me? Am I supposed to keep blessing them? That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't because it's kingdom. And kingdom doesn't make sense here. But when you speak it, if it is going to, if, if, it's got, if it's got weight, if it's what God wants to do, his kingdom come, his will be done, then my words will make his kingdom come and will be done. Amen. Be a part of it. But if God is saying, no, this one's not done, we need to, then my blessing comes back to me. An idle curse will not light. No will a blessing that is undeserved won't light either. And when we understand the power of our language and understanding that, then you know what? We really need to just be a sprinkler of blessing, don't we? Just turn it on. I walk out the door. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. You know what I'm saying? That's what we need to do. Proverbs 26, verse 2. Again, an undeserved curse will not light. So where does that curse go? Uh-oh. On the giver instead. When we speak a curse over a people, over an individual, and I'm not just saying you're sitting there conjuring, you know, Lord, may the dark force, I mean, you're not doing that. But just an idle word to just say, ah, you need to go to beep. That's a curse. That's a curse. And if it's undeserved, it's coming back home, brother. That's where it's coming. Back to you. Because those who understand its power enjoy its fruit for good or for evil. I love what Peter says. He pulls it all together for us. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 12. Finally, all of you be like-minded. Be sympathetic. Love one another. 
Be compassionate and humble. You mean to the, the ones who I don't like? Even more so to the ones you don't like. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Ignore those Facebook posts. Move on. Nothing to see here. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. I love where Peter puts that in there. Because it's not just seeking peace. It's not just raising your hands in worship. It's not just being acting like a Christian. It's not just dressing like a Christian. It's going out those doors and pursuing peace. Where can I sow it? Where can I generate it? Where can I be a promoter of peace? Loving my city is where it starts. It's where it starts. Christian, if we have to be taught this, it's, it's not to our shame, you know, because every once in a while, you got to take an athlete, you got to take a, a student, you got to take anyone, and we got to relearn the basics. You just do. Hey, man, I noticed you're not swinging that bat right. I noticed you've been doing this, you've been doing that. Isn't that true? We all need that from time to time. And that's exactly what this is. This is basic Christianity, people. And yet if we're not practicing it, the words of Peter come and ring very strongly. Keep going. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer next week. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. <coughs> Excuse me. Folks, let's, let's flip the narrative here. Because now you're saying, well, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? I've already spoken some stuff. I've already, you know, there's not a one of us who are not guilty of this. Okay? I mean, that's the truth. You know, I'm not up here to, to slam away at something that I myself don't struggle with. Absolutely. We all struggle with this. But is there hope? Is there a solution? Yeah. Let's stick with Proverbs, and then we'll finish with something else. Proverbs chapter 4 gives us the practical solution, because it's going to show us the flip side. Jesus says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that begs a question, how do I change the heart, right? Let's get to the source of the spring, so I can change what's coming out of here. Because you know what? You can't change just what's out of here. You just can't do it. How many know that's to be true? Can't cap a, an artesian well. You can't, you know, if it's coming up. You know, you can't change it from the inside, but, well, actually you can, and that's what we're going to talk about here. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. Hmm. So the words of God in the heart will change what's going on in the heart? Yes, we're going to come back to that. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. You mean my words actually affect my health? Yes. That is proven scientifically. A person who is negative and speaking negatively all the time, has stomach problems, indigestion, all kind, even heart issues. Your words bring you life, but your words also can bring death. Proven fact. Health to one's whole body. Wow, they knew that 3,000 years ago. 3,000 years ago, there's a health tip for you that has taken us this, this long to figure out that God was right. Look, can I give you a little bit of advice? 
just assume that God is right on every single thing. Everyone. You don't understand it? It's okay. You just trust him. Just trust him. Above all else, guard your heart. So he's saying, hey, look, put the words of God in there, but then you got to put a guard at the door. How do we do that? Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it your whole life. Everything. Every bit of your life, your relationships, what you do with your money, how you raise your kids, how you love your spouse, how you, well you do at work, how you do anything, how you, your outlook for the future all flows out of this wellspring called your heart. So he says, guard it. Now he's going to tell us how to guard it. Keep your mouth free from or free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. So now we see the flip. So not only out of the abundance the heart speaks, but if we go to the solution and begin to fix the heart, then out of that heart will become good things. Then only life will begin to come out. Then I won't be tempted. Then the spring will have been changed and it can be changed. So he says, look, you got to put a guard on your heart. Now for an Old Testament person, that would have been impossible. But for guess what? We have a solution. And you know what we have? We have the Holy Spirit. Your partner who comes along and says, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, but I really want to. Don't. Okay. Holy Spirit's your partner. He's your senior partner. He's ready to come and to convict you of sin, to remind you of the word of Jesus, and to put a little block on your tongue. Keep, so it comes up inside your mind. I want to say that right now. And Holy Spirit, don't. Okay. Don't do it. I mean, you know, for some of us, it's like the kid, you know, reaching up on the stove. Tss, ow. Tss, ow. I wonder if it works the third time. Tss, yeah, still hurts. We ought to get it the first time that our words are damaging, but we don't always. Holy Spirit's there, gracious and loving and patient and kind to say, have you had enough? Yes, sir. Holy Spirit's there to help us to keep perversity far from our mouth. We've got to put a guard. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit every day, Lord, let me speak only life. Would you convict me? Then he goes on and says, let your look, eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Well, there is the question. What are we looking at? Our eyes are the gateway to the soul. What we look at goes right in. So what are we looking at? I'm not going to let any of us off the hook here just for, for just a minute or two. So what are we looking at? We're looking at the internet. That's pretty much the obvious one, the pornography, the violence. But hey, how about television? Now, I'm not an anti-television guy. I got one. love watching movies. But folks, I don't put my face in that thing all night long. I don't sit there and binge. Folks, give your brain a break, man. We are so, as a culture, bored with everything that we have. We just, we're just filling our minds. And what are we watching? That's the thing that's most disturbing. I mean, look, football's good. I'm going on record. Watch football. No, you're going to throw stuff at me. All the wives are saying, get out of here. You're right. No, I can't, I can't sit there and watch football all day long. So I watched one game yesterday, and then I went outside and I did work. Man, did I ever want to watch the rest of them? Oh, well. Folks, look. We've got to watch. So television. Not an anti-television guy, but look. 
You got these, these programs that are on there now that are basically teaching you how to be wicked. And yet what we do is we break it down in our minds. We, we try to cycle it. But don't you understand you're being methodically, behaviorally changed? They know what they're doing. And so your heart is constantly getting full of images to the point where now Christians are seeing nudity and we don't care. And we don't think those images are going to come back to haunt us, ruin our marriages, affect our relationships, change our attitudes. Man, you put the filthy water in, it's going to come out. So here he's, he goes, look, sons, here's Solomon, got his sons. Guys, you got to watch what comes out of your mouth and you got to watch what you're looking at. If it was that true 3,000 years ago, how much more true is it now? Whew. Okay, now I'm going after you gamers. So how many of our young people have got their faces buried in these, com these computer games? And I mean a long time. They make us TV people look tame. And what are they watching? How many murders have you committed? You say, oh, come on, Pastor David. No, 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 no. How many times have you gone out there and killed people and were satisfied and enjoy it? And it gave you a little shot of some kind of endorphin to make you feel like on top of the world and released and, and all of that, the thrill of it. We're addicted to it. That's the truth. Folks, we need to wake up because we, if we want our heart to do that which is good, if we want to love our city, if we want to experience the kind of blessing and favor of God, then we need to listen to Solomon's advice here. What are, you, what are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Put a guard, ask the Holy Spirit. What are you looking at? Ask the Holy Spirit to come. Lord, they're, they're in Jeremiah chapter 31. Lord, put a guard on my heart and, and my eyes. Let me be so sensitive to what's on there. I mean, so much of that, I've just, it's just like I'm done with it done because there's an agenda that is demonic and it's out there. And we as Christians, oh, so many of us, it's lapping it up. Mm, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. And then finally he says, give careful thought to the paths of your feet. Be steadfast in all your ways. So the question is in, in relationship to that third guard. So we watch what comes out of our mouth. We watch what comes into our eyes. And then finally, where are our feet going? Who are we hanging with? Who do we spend our life with? Sadly, more and more that changes, it's turned into all the people that we don't even know on Facebook and television. That's pretty much the, our social life. But even, let's just assume there is a social life. Who are we spending our life with there? The Bible tells us a bad company corrupts good character. And so maybe the mission is to try to lead people to Christ. And I get that. Amen. Go for it. Do it. But if they're influencing you more than you're influencing them, if they say, look, I want nothing to do with the gospel. I don't want nothing to do with your Jesus. I don't want anything to do with your life. Hey, let's go get coffee. Um, you need to think about that one. Because after a while, who's changing who? Who's encouraging who? And here he's saying, look, if you want to guard your heart, you really need to look at the input that's coming in that door. So once again, I'm not saying we have to just be cloistered off and try to do the, 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 the whole, um, you know, cloister movement thing. No. no we got to live in this world. We got to love this world. But look, you got to live your life with other believers. Are you involved in a small group? Need to be. You need to join heart to heart, soul to soul with other people that are serving God together. 
You need that encouragement because we go out there. It's a battle. It's tough. But Peter just says, I mean, it goes on and on and on. We know the kind of, of, of stuff that we face out there in order to be able to keep our heart right so that we're not a part of the problem. Folks, are we a part of the problem? Because if we're part of the problem, then it is an issue of the heart. It's because of what's going in. So let's shut that down. Let's ask God to help us watch what we say. Let's ask God to help us watch what we're looking at. And then finally, to, to evaluate our relationships and get more input from other believers into our life, people that love us, that are for us, that we can really do life together with, people whose, 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 whose counsel we can trust. See, that's the church. We're called out ones. Called out in two ways now. Called out of the world, but then called into the world to share the gospel. And so we got to remember that. We got to remember that. We can never love our city. We can never see it come to an awareness of Jesus if we ourselves are not awakened to its truth. So it has to start with us. Revival always starts with the house of God. Always starts with God's people. And I'm telling you, we can't go any further until we look at this. What is coming out of me? Now, let me finish with this. And that is, folks, there's hope this morning. Because you know what? On your phone, on your iPad, on your laptop, on your bookshelf, are the words of God. If words are powerful that we have to go no further than the, ones, the one who created us, who has the most perfect words to speak to you. Whatever you need, whatever you need, whenever you need it. It really is a heartbreaker to think that there are more words from the world that are coming into the doorway of our soul and affecting our heart than the words of God. Do not push God's words to just a song to just a memorable verse that you memorized 30 years ago, to just a little something, a John 3, 16 here and there, even though that's the most powerful verse on the planet. Go get the rest of it. Let his words, if words are never idle, then what do God's words do to us on the inside? Oh my gosh, Paul called it edification, the lifting us up, the building of putting faith inside us. Where does faith come from? The words of God. Where does hope come from? The words of God. Where does the ability to look at our city and love it like nobody else can love it? The words of God. And then when our mouth gets filled up with the word of, words of, our heart gets all filled up with the word of God, guess what? It starts coming out. Words of hope, words of love, words of light, because I believe those words. I live on those words. Holy Spirit's there to, he, he said, never fear of what you're going to speak in those times because I will give you those words. But we gotta fill our hearts up with them. I don't care what's going on with the Game of Thrones. I don't care what's going on. Look, you want the Game of Thrones? It's happening out there. And I'm setting you up for next week. Do you not realize that there is a king there is a kingdom. There is a battle. There are people that are dying and going to hell and people that are waiting to hear the gospel. Man, there is a final frontier and it's waiting for us out there. Through the words of Christ, through an understanding of the spirit realm and who you really are. Folks, it's time to wake up. It's time to clear off the smudge of the glass in front of you and see this world for what it really is and know you're not helpless. You're not helpless. You've been given a weapon, a tool, and it is in your mouth and in your fingers. 
as you speak it, watch what God will do. Let's abandon that other mess and let's let God use us to build up. Let's allow God to use us to speak blessings that will come back upon us exponentially over and over and over again. I only share this word with you, not to just preach or get all excited or or to shame anyone. No, no, no. I do this because I know what value this is to us. Pastor Michael was here last week and he talked about reward. Remember that? This is where we start to build it right here on our watch in the time that he's given us. Amen. Join me as we stand this morning. Thanks for joining our live stream today. Make sure to like our Facebook page. And if you want more information about us, make sure to visit us at our website, valleychurch.us or go and download our Valley Church app called Valley Church Weldon. If you feel led to give today, you can give on our website and on our app.